as we come together this morning, I'm sure that we could all think of lots of advantages to being a Christian here in the Western world. We have things, don't we, at our disposal that would have seemed absolutely impossible just a few decades ago. In many ways, we are a, a blessed people. But these advantages and the, the mindset that it brings, if left unchecked, can become a problem. Now, to be as helpful as possible, and let's just narrow our thoughts just down to, to one of these things, technology, and more specifically, smartphones. For those of us that have mobile phones, if we wanted to, we could just pull out our device and within seconds, we could be reading any book of the Bible in any translation that we want, couldn't we? And if we preferred, we could have our phones actually read the Bible to us. We even get to choose for voice, male, female, English, American, Spanish, Italian, African, Australian, fast or slow. And not only that, as incredible as that is, on that very same gadget, if we wanted to later on, we could tune in across the other side of the world to hear live over the internet what John MacArthur or Vody Bochum or, or Steve Lawson has preached from their pulpit live as if we were sitting there in California, Dallas or Zambia. And it's all at the click of a button, completely on demand. We get to have what we want when we want it, don't we? Now, it can be subtle, but we live within this consumer culture, don't we? We live in a world where algorithms are developed to, to know more about us than our closest friends. It's how the internet is designed to keep us engaged, isn't it? Everything tailor-made for us as individuals. And why do I mention that this morning? Well, this is because it is way too easy for us to, to bring that consumer mindset into our Christian walk, which can produce very unhelpful fruit. And if we fail to recognise the risk, we can become consumers of church, can't we? It's a risk that means that we become hearers of the word and not doers. It's a risk that means that our experience on a, on a Sunday looks for, far more like going to the theatre than coming to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in his church. Then when this takes root, we can begin to, to view ourselves as a customer rather than as, as part of a body of our local church. And it's easy, isn't it? I'm sure that we've all sensed the risk of this in our own lives. It's possible and far too easy to, to, to come and to, to consume and to pay lip service and then to go home. And then if we're honest, just like a customer with that consumer mindset, we can go home evaluating the, the quality of the preach, the music or the coffee. We turn up, we listen and we go home. But we know that this is not the way that it's supposed to be in the local church. Verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed 
in his doing. So this clearly means that the words that we read in scripture and the words that we hear preached are to result in some sort of action. The Bible isn't just a a dusty old book of theory, is it? There is an individual, practical application to the Christian faith that demands a response from every single one of us. That's what James is urging his readers to recognise. And up until this point in James's letter, he's already been dropping lots of truth bombs, hasn't he? We might remember some of these. We'll quickly recap some of them. In verse 2 of chapter 1, do you remember when James encouraged the dispersed Christians to, to recognise the purpose of the trials that they were facing, that they were for their own spiritual good, and to approach them with joy? Now, this is something that needs to be applied. Do you remember when he reminded them to pray in boldness, knowing that God, the creator of the universe, can answer any prayer that he wants? Again, this is something that needs to be applied. Do you remember when he outlined the principles of the upside-down kingdom and reminded them, all both rich and poor, that their greatest need is to boast in Christ and not the temporary things of this world? Again, this is something that needs to be applied. Then here we are this morning, 22 verses deep into this letter, and James is saying, you see all this important stuff that we've been talking about? He's saying you need to do something with it. It needs to be applied. He's saying don't just sit there and and consume these words and and nod. He's saying don't allow your mind to, to wander off and forget these truths. No. James is telling his recipients that these truths have to be individually applied. And we need to know this as well. Now, none of this stuff should surprise any of us because it's true in every other area of life. And I don't know why we can sometimes forget this when it comes to our faith. Let me just give you a quick example. Some of you will know that before starting my work here, I used to host a business podcast where I'd interview some of the most successful business owners and entrepreneurs in the world. And we're talking some of the cleverest people in the world who have gone on to build companies worth billions of pounds. And the idea of these interviews was so that other small business owners could tune in and and listen to these tips from people that had the experience of growing companies and then look to see how they can apply these things in their own business. And there were tips on recruitment and marketing, sales, product development and all sorts of interesting things. But I can assure you, I can assure you that not one person that ever listened to that show would think that just by listening to the podcast, that they would go home and automatically increase their sales by 25%. That would just be foolish, wouldn't it? It's obvious that to get any value from the tips that they heard, that they had to go and apply them in their own business. There were tweaks to be made. Things needed to be changed. Maybe they had to stop doing certain things and and to do something else. But but what is for sure is that to receive any benefit, they had to take action. They had to be doers of what they heard. There had to be application. And so it's the same, isn't it, with the Christian life. We are not to just be hearers of the word, but we are to be doers also. The sovereign God who 
created this world and everything in it, knows what he is doing. Through his word, God has revealed himself to us. God has told us who we are and everything that we need to know for this life here on earth. But it isn't a book that we can just upload and install like we would a computer program in our mind as, a, as an academic exercise. No. It's a book that needs to be read and it's a book that needs to be preached. And when it is, it is a book that needs to be applied. Verse 22. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, let us make a point here. These two things cannot be separated. To be doers, we need to also be hearers. You can see in our verse, James isn't calling for us to, to be just doers and not hearers. All action with, with no instruction. No. The instruction is to be doers of what has been learned through hearing God's word. Now, unfortunately, today we have within some churches a tendency to, to ditch the Bible in favour of other things. We've seen cults in our day modify the Bible to, to help suit their own agenda, and, and what a disaster that is. There are people that are happy to, to take Jesus as Saviour, but, but not as Lord, but He is Lord, whether someone recognises that or not. For one day every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that this is so. So our actions must be rooted in the word. And the right order is for us to be hearers of these biblical truths and then to apply them by becoming doers. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now what a helpful picture that is. Because this is an illustration that we can all understand, isn't it? I'm sure that when we wake up in the morning as part of our daily routine and get ready for the day ahead, we at some point look in the mirror, right? And it's true that the point that James is making here is that at this, as this person looks into the mirror, it reveals something that calls for action. He needs to pay attention to something. But what does he do? He does nothing about it. He simply goes away and continues his day with, with bad hair and maybe toothpaste all around his mouth. Well, probably not toothpaste 2,000 years ago, but, but you get my point. The idea here is that believers can repeat this experience within our Christian walk. An example of this, and maybe... I know that I've done this and probably you have as well. Have you ever read a passage or, or listened to someone preach to, to be convicted of a certain sin or a relationship that needs addressing to then go home later and forget to do anything about it? That's the idea here. What James is saying when you hear these commands, he says that you need to do them. You need to do them. But before we go any further, I just want to, it would be wise for us to say something that I'm sure that we all already know. Because whenever we start talking about doing something, some, some people's legalism radar will start dinging as if we're about to crash into a, into a works gospel-shaped mountain. So let me be very clear, these commands are on the other side of salvation. 
It's important that we have these, that we have this locked into our minds. The recipients of this letter are born again Christians by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's important. We've said this before in our series. This letter is addressed, isn't it, to dispersed believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. The instruction that James is given is not to, to do these things so that you become good enough to be saved. Absolutely not. These are instructions in how to live the Christian life, how to be holy. This is the response to already being saved. This is important, isn't it? Because if we don't understand this properly, it would be possible to sit there and hear this instruction and start to become Pharisees, ticking off these commands in our mind, thinking that we can earn our salvation for obedience. And that would be a disaster and an absolute offence to the cross. So the doing of a word that we are speaking of comes after someone is saved. We want to be clear about that. And we'll come up against this later in another sermon on another day when James says that faith without works is dead. Works are the fruit of salvation, not the root. But whilst we're here and whilst we have this in our minds, let's make a point for any unbelievers that may be here or watching online this morning. The gospel message that you hear from this pulpit week after week does have to be applied. Just like if you were to be in a plane about to jump out, the parachute is only of any benefit if it is individually strapped around your body. And I say this because it is possible to come here week after week, hearing invitation after invitation, pleading with you to repent, to put your faith in Christ. And yet you could walk out of here for the last time today, not knowing this is your last few moments on earth, and die while still only being a hearer of the word. Now to die in your sins, having heard the gospel so many times and having not responded to it, is one of the saddest things that I can think of. Because if you believe the Bible like I do, if you were to spend just one second in the hell that awaits you as an unbeliever, then you would do everything you could ever do to come back to this very moment whilst you're still alive, to plead to the living God to save your soul. But then it would be too late, wouldn't it? Now this is an urgent matter if you sit here today as an unbeliever and if you've heard this gospel before, if you've heard that Jesus came to this earth to fulfill God's redemptive plan in coming to save and rescue sinners by living a perfect life and to then go and die for sinners like you and I, then be a doer today and put your faith in him. Respond to that. Respond to that. Abandon any hope that you have in your own merits of being saved and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what I want you to do today. That's what every Christian here this morning is cheering you on to do. Every Christian in the world cheering you on with the angels in heaven. Repent and come. Apply today what you know is true. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Now, for those that are already believers, and like we said, that's the context of our letter. We can spin back round to verse 19 in chapter 1 to get a flavour of what James wants them to apply. 
verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. See, here is per our theme this morning, the command is to actually do something, isn't it? Verse 19, be quick to hear. This means that Christians are to have an eagerness to hear and learn the word of God. Now, you may have noticed that he's talking about hearing the word of God rather than reading. And that's because 2,000 years ago, it wasn't possible for every believer or even every family of believers to own a copy of the scriptures. Plus, the canon wasn't complete. This is why scriptures were memorized, and this is why the early church practiced for oral reading of the scriptures. This is how they learned. So therefore, in its context, James was telling the believers that they must be eager to learn the Bible. And he says, be slow to speak. This means he wanted the recipients to pay close attention and not to be quick to argue and to debate about what they were hearing. Now, this was important because Jewish congregations had a tendency to be unstructured and sometimes a little bit unruly, may I say. But back then, it was not uncommon for the Jewish believers to to begin chatting and debating what was being said whilst the speaker was still speaking. James was saying to these believers that they were not to do this, but rather they needed to practice being silent and concentrate during the oral reading of the word. Then verse 19, they were to be slow to anger and to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now there's a permanency to this picture, isn't there? Just like we would take off our filthy, dirty, muddy clothes and we'd put them in in the washing machine. We wouldn't then ever dream of going back to those dirty clothes to put them back on again, would we? No, he says, put these away, put these things away. They're done with. But again, it's not theory. How to be applied. Verse 21. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, perhaps the best way of defining this meekness in relationship to God's word is by having a teachable spirit. Believers are to subject themselves into doing exactly what the word says in the way that it says it. They have to do this rather than trying to compromise or by finding ways to change its meaning. And we know all about that in our generation, don't we? We're not to do what is very popular today and just to cherry pick the bits that we like or the bits that we want to do. And how does the word get implanted in us? Well, first of all, we have to read it. That's a good place to start, isn't it? There are 168 hours in a week and if the only exposure that you get to God's word is from two hours here on a Sunday, then you are tuned into the world for the other 166 hours every week and then how should we expect to get on with that? Being a hearer and a doer of the word firstly means to be a Bible reading Christian. It means to be a praying Christian. It's to be a, a Christian with a heart to, to serve using the gifts and the time that the Lord has given us. 
Like I said at the beginning, being a hearer of the word can be an easy trap to fall into, can't it? As you know, I speak to Christians all around the world all the time and everyone says the same thing. Over the years, how many prayer meetings have we all been to where people are praying for revival and this is a good thing to be praying for? Yet in churches all around, no one is willing to share the gospel with anyone. Lots of hearing, but very little doing. Churches with zero evangelism, zero outreach, and yet, Lord, please fill this church or save our town. Well, how do they think that's going to happen? The here I am, Lord, send him kind of approach. We have zero excuses to be lazy or complacent Christians. None at all. How can it be so? How can we look at what Jesus has done upon that cross and then just simply shrug our shoulders? The suffering, the grace and the mercy. Brothers and sisters, we were bought with a price. Our lives are not our own. This world is not our home. We should not be prioritising our hobbies or our reputation or our own comforts over doing what God has commanded us to do through his word. The right and proper response to picturing Christ upon that cross for your and my own personal sin is to say, Lord, my life is yours. What do I do? It's true, isn't it? We can make the Christian life far more complicated than it is, can't we? But yet it's simple. The day that we become a Christian, our lives are no longer ours. We're in Christ, hidden with him. His Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for him, don't we? So what does this mean for you and for me this morning? But it means that when we read our Bibles or when we listen to the preaching of God's word, we need to have a radar switched on asking, how do I apply this to my life? And then we do something about it. Lord, how do I apply this? That is the question that we should all be asking. And just think how that would transform all of our lives, our families and the life of the church. Imagine if we loved others as we, we loved ourselves like we're told to in scripture. What would that do to our relationships within our families and even here within our church family? You can imagine, can't you? We'd have to put together a waiting list with people falling over one another to want to serve and to exercise their gifts within the church. And that's how it's supposed to be. We're not called to just be hearers storing up more and more information week after week without doing anything about it. A true born-again faith produces fruit. Now let us close by reading a few verses from Colossians chapter 3. We, we took a look at this on Tuesday evening. This passage is rich with instruction on how to live the Christian life. And as I read this, Make sure that you've got that radar turned on that we've been speaking about, asking, how can I apply these things to my life? And then prayerfully do something about it. Colossians chapter 3 is page 984. 
Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly fathers, sorry, masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Amen. Let's pray.